Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll talk to Bob Ryan about sports and geography. We'll also talk to John Orand of Puck News about the business of stadium naming rights. But first, let's keep the sales weasels happy. Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. You should keep doing it because I can hear it in your voice. Even though you're angsty, you really still like doing this. And you like... You like sort of yelling at the moon. You, you've you got a little bit of Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino in you, but mostly you've still got an insane desire to try to come up with a solution to court storming. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, what is, that's what's fun about you, and that's why you should keep doing it. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. Um, people like to go behind the curtain at PTI, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the last two days of PTI. So Pablo's on the show Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And Pablo's doing his podcast on Wednesday. And Pablo's in some location other than the Seaport studio. Pablo Torre finds out, I believe is the yeah, name of Pablo the show. Pablo Torre finds out. Or maybe Pablo Torre asks about... Or maybe Pablo Torre's smarter than you. <laughs> or maybe how do you like this degree from John Harvard? So, so he's got to get in a cab and he's got to go to the seaport. And traffic in New York City is not like traffic, you know, in other places, smaller places. It's not like that. No. So Pablo is, is telling Kelleher and ride home, I'll be there by 4.30. Well, he's not there by 4.30. Well, I'll be there by 4.45. Well, he's not there by 4.45. So we're supposed to talk to Jay Billis. We're supposed to do an interview with Jay Billis. Usually that starts about 4.30 or 4.35. By 4.45, it hasn't started, and Pablo's not there. And they say to me, okay, do the interview. You just do it by yourself. Now, I can do that. Not only do I know Jay, but I've been doing this for a long time. This is not hard. All I have to have is the questions in front of me that are not written by me, but are in fact written by Eric. You know, and they're always good. And so they, they, in the intro, it just says something like, you know, Pablo wanted to take this segment off and, and, you know, and then we get in to Jay Billis. Well, Pablo got there and did the rest of the show and then decided that he would say at the end of the first segment, why don't you talk to Billis alone? I have to go to the bathroom, which I thought was funny. I thought that was funny. But that was, if you wondered, if you wondered why that happened, this is behind the curtain as to why that happened. And you've heard me say many times, particularly in recent months and weeks, that, that, Sometimes the show gets blown up. You know, you, you get ready to do the show, and sometimes at 3.30 or 4 or 4.30 or 5, something happens, and you have to change the show. Yesterday, for example, the lead story in the PTI show was supposed to be about LeBron James scoring 39 points and getting five threes in the fourth quarter to lead the Lakers on a 21-point comeback in the fourth quarter and beat the, the sorry Clippers, who had seven turnovers, by the way, in the fourth quarter, and stunk the gym out. And that was supposed to be it, and I was prepared, and Pablo was prepared, to talk about LeBron James. Our guest yesterday was Brian Winhorst. And Brian, and not everybody does know this, although I said it on the air, Brian actually went to the same high school that LeBron went to in Akron, Ohio. Brian is from that area. He graduated a few years before LeBron. But he's covered LeBron in LeBron's entire basketball life before he even went to the NBA, while he was in high school, while he was doing state championships. So when you ask a question of Brian Windhorst that basically ends this way, well, you know, what did you think of last night? He didn't do 20 minutes. 
And they were great 20 minutes. He did like three minutes, and they were a great three minutes. So then after the interview with Windhorse, Kelleher says to me, I didn't want to tell you this before. I didn't want you to you know, get all flustered by it, but we're going to have to change the top of the, of the show. I said, why? So said, well, Caitlin Clark just announced she's going to turn pro. Well, this is a big story. Yes. Caitlin Clark is the most um, important basket, college basketball player in the country right now. Most popular, most important. More eyeballs on her than anybody else. Yeah. There's no question about that. And she didn't have to turn pro. She's making a pile of money on NIL. She's probably making a million dollars, maybe more, from NIL. You go pro, you know what your salary is the first year in the WNBA? It maxes out at about $74,000. It's not any higher than that. Now, you don't have to give up all of your endorsements because you're leaving college, but maybe some of them attached to Iowa yeah. might, might not work for you anymore. So there is some financial, you have to figure it out. She's also doing national commercials like State Farm. That's going to stay with her. You don't have to worry about that. Because the WNBA is going to put every game of hers on television and somebody like ESPN is going to broadcast it. Because you're not stupid. Until she proves that she can't draw a crowd, you're going to put her on television. So that's going to give her the opportunity to make the same or more money, at least in the first year. So Matt says, where do you think we should put this? I, Matt says, I think we should put it first. And I said, I do too. Yeah, let's put it first. So we have to trim a story. And the other two stories are about... Uh, Yamamoto's debut with the Dodgers and the sort of, you know, spine and structure of the 14-team college football playoff. Right. And Matt says, you know, Brian's answer was so good that we really don't have to do that. And I said, you're right. We don't. We can keep the other two stories, which are off the beaten path and so consequently more interesting. You know, I mean, Mike, Mike would not have done those stories. <laughs> he would have asked for LeBron and then another LeBron story. I mean, that's Mike's interest is different than mine and then Pablo's. And that's how we solved that. And then we pretty much went on the air with, I don't know, 45 seconds of taking notes and trying to figure it out and then taping the show. So that's another thing behind the scenes. I thought people would like to mention that. In sports news today, um, in Jeddah, in Saudi Arabia, and I have no idea if that, what the Times difference is between us and them if they're ahead or behind I have about no eight idea. hours ahead eight hours ahead so eight hours ahead means it's already happened anthony kim has played i believe has played his first professional golf competitive round in something like 11 years 12 years 12 years michael you are the same age as anthony kim uh, he is a little bit older. He seems oh, okay. to have, uh, you know, a young daughter. But yes, uh, say, I would say same life stages. Right. Um, and he is currently almost as many shots back from first place uh, as years away from professional golf. So he finished with a plus six. Okay. Uh, and he is trailing the leader at, who is at eight under. And uh, John Rahm is at eight or under as well. Short so holes at seven. He's trailing by seven. 14. He's yeah. out. So, uh, so he had some, uh, he had some no time cut. to catch up. But look, Anthony Kim, for those who are not golfers, you had to be really into golf in the mid-aughts. Uh, he was bringing swagger. And he was a rising a, star. A Fair? confidence. Uh, yes, a rising rocket star. ship. A lot of comparisons to Tiger Woods. Yeah. Um, did it his own way. He famously had that moment in, in a... Uh, 
in an international match where he walks to the next tee, not realizing that he's not realizing that he's already won. So he's become this Yeti figure where he had some injuries, and it appeared that he was getting more money to stay away from golf from an he insurance had an insurance policy, policy. Yeah. than he would have necessarily had from trying to regain status. And so over the years, there'd be all these grainy videos of him on a driving range or stories about him playing in money matches in all these golfing hotbeds. And then in the last year or two, he was one of those names that was thrown around as, you know, if not the savior of a live golf, just one of the, one of the big names again, to attract a, uh, a, a non-traditional golfing. That's uh, a real community. leap of faith. I mean, nobody knows him for the last 12 years. I don't yes, know that he's you a have savior to be, of anything. You have to be inside golf, but uh, right. yeah, right. I, I think uh, in terms of the week that they've had, this definitely pales in comparison to who's got the who's got the Gooch comments about the the Masters and Rory with Taylor Gooch's sort of off the off the wall issues with it being an asterisk event. But it's just it's interesting to see what he does as a wild card on Live and to see if he gets some traction back. I'm not super worried about a, a six over round today, and in many ways, it's. It shows you the difficulty of professional golf, and it makes if it makes the return that much greater if he does start to play some good golf. Yeah, I think people need to realize it's not just going out on your course or your friends' courses and shooting sixty six. It's no, it's it's different. Even on the Saudi tour, it's different, and there's no cut there. You got to put it out fifty four yeah. holes. Yeah, you you as Tiger would say, you got to earn it in the dirt. Um, now the, the video. Go ahead. The video of him earlier in the week where they're doing this, the launch of Anthony Kim, and he's wearing, you know, shorts and a T-shirt. And <laughs> for a golf event being played in Saudi Arabia, That's they're doing promos of him with his wife and his little, his little girl is sort of running in between them. And he has a shirt that says Girl Dad. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's a complicated relationship as, uh, yes, you, you likely accept some, some fee money that is uh, making up for the lost money along the way. Yeah, because the, he's now playing professional golf. Yeah. So the insurance policy is canceled automatically. And I think it was like 2 to $3 million a year that he was getting something like that. That means that the Saudi tour ponied up more than that, right? Michael, they had to or he wouldn't have done it. Sure, but also as a wild card, he at least gets this year to sort of play with, uh, without the burden of relegation. So he's also right. able to pick up the money along the way. And, you know, if you could have a couple of top finishes, those are pretty big purses. So, yes, there's, there's other ways to supplement the lost uh, insurance money. My question to you that I'd written down was, is he going to be, after the first round, will he be closer to Tiger or closer to Charlie? You know, because I didn't know. I mean, I, was, I think it's hard. Sure. I, I think it's hard to walk out there in a real event. Even if that's not as real as a PGA Tour event, it's a real event. Because the guys that you're playing with, they're better than the guys you've been playing with. Right, Michael? I mean, that's a difference. They're real. They're pros. Yeah, again, this just comes to it. There's a practice to playing tournament golf, and you really can't replicate it even with all the money games or the the practice yeah. rounds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's how many of these numbers next to your name begins to affect that confidence that you had, and you're drawing on on a reserve of confidence that's over a decade old. And, and again, you come back to Life Station. So if you think about, you know, when Phil finally broke through to win the major, it was when he was making that transition to being a dad uh, in his mid-30s, and, and Kim is past that point. I mean, you bring up the Woods comparison. This is sort of tricky because Tiger can't complete a tournament. Uh, can't. You know, cut or no cut. Can't. And, uh, you know, Charlie's a kid, but you know he again he put he's his name. He's a total kid. Put his name he's out there. He's sixteen years old. Yeah. You know, by the time he's nineteen, th th this thing that happened a couple of weeks ago is going to be way in the rearview mirror. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be. 
I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be a great pro or even a pro, but he's going to be a great player, right? There's no yep. question about yes. that. No question whatsoever. All right, thank you. I, I, I was hoping you could talk about that. We will take a break, and we will bring in Bob Ryan, the quintessential American sports writer, to talk about a story that he has written about all the things he has covered in all the states of the union. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Tyler Hartung in Denver, who writes, I've received the express written consent via text from my childhood friend Jacob Sloan and his band Coast Red to play two of their newest singles, Wasted Days and Swim, which can both be found on Spotify and Apple Music. The album will be out soon. Enjoy the California surf vibes. This is called Swim, and again, it's Coast Red. We'll play another song later, and you can listen at the end of the show and not have me babble in it. And it plays in Bob Ryan, the quintessential American sports writer, who has, and I'm, I'm flying blind on this, because all I have been told is that you have written a large piece for the Boston Globe detailing the fact that you have covered sporting events, legitimate sporting events, in all 50 states. Do I have the spine of that correct? The spine, a slight alteration, covered or attended. Okay. I have been to... Uh, because it started when I was in, in the womb, for God's sake. And uh, I have been to uh, or covered an, uh, a sporting event, legitimate sporting event, in each of the 50 states, the District of Columbia and the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico as okay. well. Okay. So Alaska and Hawaii are in this for you. They're oh, God, it. yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I would imagine it. So I, I think back, Wilbon has been to 49 of the 50. Not to necessarily cover things, but 49 of the 50 states. The one he is missing is Maine. I, too, am missing Maine. I'm missing North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Mm. and Idaho. And I'm trying to think what you would have covered in some of these states. Now, all of the states have colleges, so maybe it's a college basketball tournament or a college football game or something Mm -hmm. like that. Maine is close to you, but North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Idaho, what do you got for me there? I'll start with uh, Maine is obvious because uh, it is close, and, and Maine included college basketball and, and uh, base, uh, NBA exhibition and, and uh, minor league baseball, uh, plenty of opportunities for things in Maine. For uh-huh. it's, it's literally an hour, and I probably am from the border from my house, I'm probably uh, less than about an hour and a half. Okay. okay. So that's all. Okay. Idaho. Uh, Idaho uh, was minor league baseball when I was writing a book on minor league baseball in 1972 and college football. I have been to the famous blue turf at okay. Boise State. Boise State, yeah. Okay. Okay. 
uh, Wyoming, this is, this is where the thing gets, you know, I, I get lucky. And it's just because the late, I uh, went to an NBA exhibition game in, this, in 1986 in Laramie. <clears throat> and that's Idaho. I mean, that's Wyoming. That's Wyoming. my one and only Wyoming. It's totally legit. And, uh, I, uh, and uh, what else? Oh, we have North Dakota. The Dakotas. I covered, I was in television for Channel 5 in Boston in 1983, and I covered Harvard in the NCAA hockey finals. At, at, at Grand Forks, North Dakota, at the University of North Dakota. They didn't call it the Frozen Four yet. That came later. Eddie Carpenter, okay. the SID at BU, named it Frozen Four later. But it was the hockey finals. Legitimate NCAA final. Harvard lost uh, in that game. Whatever state you want. Uh, South Dakota. South Dakota. That was number 50. And that's, what, that's where the story starts or, 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 and, and ends. In other words, <clears throat> I became aware after I hit number 49, which was Alaska, that, wow, um, I, I had, this is not a lifelong quest. This was this is a, this is just uh, organically happening in my life. And after I hit Alaska with you know, 49, I said, "Wow, I've done 49. It would be cool to do 50." And uh, the 50th one hanging out there was South Dakota. And last fall, I went to my sports editor, the sports editor of the Globe, Matt Pepin, and I explained that I've been to 49 states with events. If I got 50, would you be interested in the story? He said, "Yeah." So uh, 50 was South Dakota. Now you've got. Uh, three basic options, Tony, in South Dakota. You've football. got the two universities of no, yeah. North Dakota and South Dakota, South Dakota and South Dakota State, football, basketball, and you've got the so Sioux Falls Canaries of the American Association Independent Baseball League. And I thought that would have been cool, but I'm a basketball guy, you know that. And I yeah. said, I've got to see the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State take the floor. And that's what I did. February 1st, I was present in Frost Arena at South Dakota State University to see them play the North Dakota State Bison, and I caught a terrific college game, which was a great ribbon on the package for me. Yeah, the Jackrabbits have been in the NCAAs in the, in the last few years, so we're all aware of them. I got other states for you. Montana. No. Montana. Montana. This was the one and only. 1978, Don Zimmer was managing the Boston Red Sox. Right. His son, Tom, was managing in, Boy, in, uh, in, the, uh, in Montana, in, in Boise, in the uh, uh, Independent League. Well, Boise's in Idaho. Boise's in Idaho. I mean, and Great and in Great Falls. Okay. So uh, I I went and uh, on my my way. This was a package deal. On my way to the baseball All Star game in San Diego, I stopped off in 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 Montana to do the story on Tommy Zimmer. Everybody does that. So a minor league baseball game. (laughs) All right. So I got two more uh, two more states where they're sort of off the beaten path. Um, you have to want to get there. There's not, there is opportunity in Arkansas and New Mexico, but you have to want to get there. I'm mm-hmm. assuming that your New Mexico one was Jimmy Valvano winning the NCAAs. No, it was not. My oh. New Mexico one, but there's two things in New Mexico. One was in 19... I mentioned previously the book that I read. My first book was on minor league baseball called Wait Till I Make the Show. And among the places I, I went to write the material for this, which I went for, literally from Trois-Rivières, Quebec, to Honolulu, and, and, and uh, Albuquerque, the Albuquerque Dukes of the Pacific uh-huh. Coast Lake, managed by Tom Lasorda before he became well, Tom Lasorda, if you know what I right, mean. Right, And the, are you ready for this? Best minor league team in the last 60 years. Here's the, here's the lineup. Joe Ferguson at catcher, Tom Paturik at first, Davey Lopes at second, Steve Hunts at short, Ron Say at third, Larry Heisel in left, Von Joshua in center and Paul Ray Powell in right. And the rotation wow. included Jeff Son, Doug, Doug Rao, and Charlie Huff. Wow. How'd they ever lose a game? 
Wow. Well, they didn't lose many, I'll tell you yeah. that. <clears throat> and I, so I saw them play at home. I saw them against uh, uh, Salt Lake City. They don't have a guy named Rivers, uh, a left-handed hitting center fielder. I don't know whatever happened to him. But uh, well, played for anyway, the Yankees for a one, while. That's yeah. my first from New Mexico. <laughs> and the second was an NCAA uh, regional, uh, NCAA tournament uh, at, uh, in Albuquerque. Uh, at, uh, so okay. uh, that, that took care of New Mexico. I got another one, Arkansas. Well, this is interesting. My Arkansas, I was at the Super Bowl in New Orleans, and I was heading uh, to do something else from there uh, in Texas, and I drove, I said, I'm going to go to see the Razorbacks, and I went to Fayetteville, and, I, and I, I saw a home game at Bud Walton Arena. And I'm telling you, folks, if you are a college basketball fan, and, and you want to put this on your, I don't, I don't like that B word, on your, you, right. I got to do this list. You, they, they, it's a great atmosphere, and it's the best band usage I have ever heard in any college arena. The band, the, at least when I went, uh, they, they use that band better than any uh, college I've ever heard. But that, now, that was my trip to, to uh, Fayetteville. Your sports, your big sports, of course, are baseball and basketball. I'm sure there's baseball, basketball, and football in this. And there's hockey, obviously, because you oh, talked yeah, about that. Are there another? Would you list, for example, I went to Darlington, South Carolina, and I watched an auto race. I mean, is there are there yeah, things I, off the board? I have been to uh, two Daytonas, uh, and 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 two Daytonas, and a couple of Loudons in New Hampshire. I have have NASCAR, and the reason I went to Daytona, Tony, is that uh, in the good old days of the Sports Reporter Show, they sent us down to do the the show from Daytona twice. And so that's how I got to Daytona. And then while I was there, I couldn't well tell the Boston Globe I don't want to cover the race. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> well, yeah. To. So I covered the race, even though I know Zippo about NASCAR. And to me, uh, you know, I don't care about. To me, if you love NASCAR, it's because you love cars. And to me, a car is nothing more than a large portable radio. So uh, I'm not. I'm not into NASCAR. But I did. Um, I, have been, I had to go to Loudon, New Hampshire, twice as a, in duty. You did not write about all of these events, I take it. No, but no, you wrote about I, most I wrote of a them. text that, not all of them, of course not. Uh, I, what I did focus on, Tony, was in, this, when, in the text of the story, it comes to explaining how it came about and my, and my roots and how I was born into a sports family and all that stuff, that um, the two, I call them avocation sports, business, all the, you know, in the course of our business, you meet Tony, but, you know, we have to go to certain things, obvious big events, it's obvious, but... I would go out of my way for two other things on my own as much as possible. These were my foundation sports, the sports I grew up with. And so that the two sports uh, that have the, I've seen the most states are college basketball, 38, and minor league baseball, 31. And, and so I would go out of my way to go to college uh, basketball and college. I've been to 205 venues to see college basketball. And, this, and so the uh, one in Brookings, South Dakota, was number 205. How many Olympics so I, have you gone to? Have you gone to 11, many Olympics? Six, six okay. summer, five winter. So okay. that's a separate story, naturally, the, the international and um, but uh, yeah. and Canada. I've been to four Canadian provinces for games, and uh, so that that's another one. But that's another story for that. Okay. There, there are that's a, opportunities for people to to uh, read uh, online, particularly uh, the wonderful usage of, of the uh, technology that they have. You're 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 out with this, right? People can read this. They can read it oh, in yeah, the globe. So it, it, it's it, it's, on, it's on BostonGlobe.com right now. And and then Sunday it'll be in the actual print newspaper. Uh, okay, so let, all of this right leads now. us, all of the places you've been to, all of the places that I've been to, and they're not close to yours, but all of the places that any sports writer has been to, leads to this, which is the all-time top five. 
the all-time top five events in your life that you say, I was at that. I write well, these lists out all the time. I'm just going to tell you what I got. And then, and, and because I'm asking you to do this cold, and I, unless you've thought about this a lot, I'll read mine first, and then you can have yours. Yeah. Okay? Go ahead. I got, I got Flutie. I got Flutie. I got Leitner because I sat next to you. So I got Leitner. I got Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson. I got the earthquake. Okay? And I got Reggie's three. Those are my five. I, I've left out a bunch, including Willis Reed. Oh, sure. I've left, and Bill Buckner. I've left them out. Wow. Those are my top five. Do you have a top five? Well, it so happens that uh, they asked me to do just that. And, oh. I, and I did it. I phrased it five times. Games I'd like to relive. I would. Okay. I wouldn't mind reliving. Okay, five events right. I wouldn't mind reliving. And there's there's grab photo evidence of it in the story online. And everything. Okay. <clears throat> um, number one was Game Seven of the Boston Celtics and Seventy Sixers in 1981. Uh, the comeback from from one to three, uh, and and it was the Sunday game final and it was the most emotional game of all the hundreds of times I've been to the garden or uh, over thousands my god over the since 1964 uh that that was the most emotional building I've ever known uh, that mm-hmm. game I went that game back um okay that's one uh BC 41 Notre Dame 39 and and uh was uh I said come on now I'm an alum uh, that that meant <laughs> and uh, uh, and here's just the truth in that one BC has blown a 21 point lead and now Notre Dame and and they're going to and they're sending out David Gordon to kick a field goal. David Gordon had blown a 24 yard field goal earlier in the year to beat the, against Northwestern. He was he was a very shaky kicker and he's, and you know there's only two things that can happen. It's blocked or or it's or it's no good. <clears throat> well, it took a left-hand turn on the way in somehow and it went in and they beat Notre Dame and I'm standing in the press box and and I'm, I'll gather my stuff. I'm ready to get downstairs. I'm going to write the story about shake down the thunder. Notre Dame can't beat them. Blah blah blah. And I said, Oh bleep! Starts with an S, ends with a T. They won. And I had a new story to write. Okay, there's that. <laughs> then, We've all been there. We've all been there. Game yeah. four. Game four. <clears throat> excuse me. On the 04 Red Sox Yankees, the famous comeback. Yeah. You know, uh, they're down 03. They've got beat 19 to 8 in the, in the uh, set game before. And David, you know, ninth inning and Rivera, you know what happens. Uh, you, uh, Millar works the walk. And Dave Robinson makes a steal of the century. And, and, and uh, Bill Miller drives him in. And, and it starts to come back. They went from, 11, from 19 to 8 loss on Saturday night. Eleven nights later, they're sipping the champagne. But yeah. that, that electrifying building, uh, and okay. Two. Okay. Then I've got hockey. I wanted to take touch hockey. 2011, Game Seven of the um, Bruins and, and uh, Tampa Bay Lightning was a one nothing game on a goal by Nathan Horton, in which it, there were no penalties in the game. 60 wow. minutes of, of of up and down, up and down. And Guy Boucher, the coach of the uh, Lightning, said that was like 60 minutes of overtime. And now I'm trying to think. I'm like, look, uh, in front of me, what did I put for the fifth one? I forget. Uh, uh, I got a fifth one. So um, it'll come to me, of course, uh, in, after we hang up. Yeah, but, yours, uh, are, yours are a little bit more parochial because they have to do with teams that you were involved with. Yeah, and right. I mean, I could have done it in a different, a lot of different ways. Yeah, Obviously, that's I've been fine. to some of the major big events. Sure. Uh, and and when, by the way, if you were to ask me what, uh, if I were to say, what's your favorite five, five college basketball, number one would be Duke, Kentucky. 
one yeah. well, A would be Villanova Georgetown. That's a tough call for me. Yeah, the Villanova Georgetown. I was there and, and, and that one, and, and that was you have to un- people have to understand the whole context. How invincible Georgetown seemed at that moment. Yeah, you know, now, the invincible. other team shot nine out of ten in the second half. That's right. Nine 20, out 20, of 22 for 30, 22 for 30 in the game. And, and the last game played without a shot clock. Yeah, no shot and clock. You didn't, and you didn't no feel like clock. it, though. No, no, it was great. So I, yeah, I no, was, I, you know, that's my, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think what I put the fifth one. I, I don't have the paper, the story in front of me. So I, I but so anyway, I, there's some examples. All okay. right. So people should get bostonglobe.com and read the story and we will talk soon. Thank you, Bobby. Congratulations. You've got many me, more Bye-bye. than I've got. Bob Ryan, boys and girls. <laughs> we'll take a break. John Orand uh, will join us when we return. We're, I'm going to try and find out why companies, you know, pay money to get stadiums named after them. Because I don't, I really, I don't get it. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Coast Red. California surf band, not from California. This is called Wasted Days. Michael, if independent groups or individuals want to send us their music to play on this show, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com, and we have a big day today. Uh, Johnny O has just launched a new women's line, so uh, use promo code TKT and check it out. Yeah, that'll make women in your life happy. Yes. Or if there are no women in your life, and I'm talking to women now directly, it'll make you happy. <laughs> uh, buy it. Um, okay. So the song plays in John Oran for many, many years was involved with Sports Business Journal and is now in something called Puck.com, which ambitiously covers Hollywood and Silicon Valley and Washington and, and things like that. You know, the epicenter of business and innovation in the country. I had read a story, John, maybe yesterday or the day before that the FedEx company had bailed out of the last two years of their deal with the Washington football team. Um, I, I, I don't really care about the details of it or if, if there's any acrimony. I doubt there's any acrimony. But I just, I, I wonder about this. I mean, we all know Yankee Stadium. We all know Fenway Park. You know, we all know those names. But when, when companies buy into this, is there a sense of what it generally costs and how long these deals are? And does anybody get anything worthwhile out of it? Well, you know, you mentioned Yankee Stadium. You mentioned Fenway Park. I think you can also throw a Dodger Stadium and Camden Yards in there. Those are, those and, are and Wrigley. Stadiums. Yeah. The, yeah. Those are uh, baseball stadiums that, that, you know, no matter what sort of naming rights Camden Yards sells, and apparently they were close to a deal uh, recently, it's always going to be Camden Yards to anybody in the, in the D.C. or Baltimore, I think, going up right. there. The, the NFL is such a different animal, though. I mean, uh, comparing the NFL to any other sport is, uh, it, like, I've, I've learned to stop doing that. So you look over uh, in, in L.A., you know, they just launched, uh, they just built the SoFi Stadium over there. And SoFi's paying what I think is like over more than $600 million uh, for, for that, which makes a FedEx deal seem like, uh, like pennies. Um, the Super Bowl has just played in Allegiant Stadium in, in Las Vegas. That was another deal that the, the, more than $600 million that, that, that Allegiant did that. Uh, and it, for, for, for the general fan, it just looks like these big corporations that are taking a lot of money and just slapping the, their logo on, on a stadium, and maybe they'll get mentioned in, in the nightly news or, or in, in, uh, in write-ups of games that happen there. 
But people that do these deals say that if that's all that somebody does, it's a it's a waste of money. There has to be some sort of marketing plan and and uh, and and some way to get into the community from this. This has to be sort of step one of of a of a multi part sponsorship plan or, around that. Um, and so, so you know, FedEx stepped away. I pretty much guarantee you they're going to get somebody to come in for the next two years. I I. Are they worth $600 million? I know. Are they worth it? I don't think so. <laughs> can it be worth it? Can anything be worth I mean, is it just ego? Is it just ego? But Or or, is, or can you make money? Because you don't want to throw money at something if there's no return. The return seems so vague to me, John. It feels like ego, but what kind of return do you get from marketing? And and uh, and and uh, marketing does work. Or what kind of uh, return do you get from uh, from you know your communications department in in a, in a company? And I think that's how that's how they view this. This is this is marketing for a football stadium for an NFL stadium. That's uh, you know uh, you have to pay to get it to get into that. And when when FedEx uh, did its deal uh, way back when. I, I, I believe it was like and it was a 25 year deal, so it was 1999. It was 205 million dollars, which was jaw dropping at the time. And and now that just like the prices of all the uh, uh, the values of all the teams, it's gone up threefold just about. So the interesting thing to me about the FedEx deal was um, Fred Smith was one of the co owners. I mean, he didn't have as much money in it as Dan Snyder, but then I was. Sort of surprised they didn't give it to him for free because, you know, he was, <laughs> he was part of the ownership group. I, I'm, I'm going to ask this question now because I didn't think of this at all. I wrote down in my notes, why would anybody want to do this for a football stadium? You get nine games max. Why wouldn't you do it for a baseball stadium where you get 81? But you're suggesting to me that football is more bang for the buck than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, give it away for free. You'd make a terrible businessman, Tony. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, uh, again, the, the big problem, because they, they do sell uh, as, uh, naming rights to some baseball stadiums, but the ones that we mentioned are, are so iconic, you know, yeah. are, are, are so ingrained that any kind of naming rights wouldn't really take hold. I mean, really, are you going to call it anything other than uh, than Dodger Stadium? And the, the idea is, is that it's much more than just you know nine home games or ten home games. It's it, 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 it's a whole year long package. It's a national package. And when you think about you know when you think about Allegiant Stadium and you think about um, what was it 125 million people watching a game from Allegiant Stadium, right? Have right. That mark that marketing. They're, they're selling uh, Super Bowl commercials for multiple million dollars. I think it was up to like seven million dollars per thirty this year. And and you know. You, that that that's worth its weight in gold in in, in terms of that. Um, so I, it's tough to it's tough because there is no tangible we get X out of this, but it is part of a marketing budget that uh, that that every company does have. That you know, marketers are always are sort of pointing out. You know, uh, that, that there's no like like I said, there's, it's just not tangible. So it's it's kind of difficult to describe. There are certain you know if I see. If I see a bank sponsor something, I, that bothers me. If I had money in that bank, I'd take the money out because I think that they're, that's not being responsible. If, I, if I'm watching a game and they, from the Yum Center, I think this is absurd. I Crypto, the crypto arena, stop. Why are you doing this? It's like these idiotic bowl games, but it doesn't seem to stop, John. There, there seems to be a line out there of companies that want to have their names on, on an arena, right? 
Look, I, I think when you described it as ego at first, I think that definitely plays a part. People want to see their their name on a building that tens of thousands uh, of fans go to. Um, but the, uh, again, there is there is a return. This is it's a big marketing expense, but there there is it, it, if you develop a plan around it to get mm-hmm. into into the community and and to you know uh, and to, and to use this for more than just putting a, a logo on a on a stadium and waiting you know every 15 years for the super bowl to come around then uh, uh, th- th- then that that's a bad idea but if you have an actual plan to get into the community and and, and work that way it seems it wor- companies say it, work, it works well but they they rarely have actual hard data to to go with that yeah yeah i mean i you know i think it's a combination of ego and aspiration you know, when you say to yourself, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts Center. At least I know what Dunkin' Donuts are. I mean, I don't know what Allegiant would, is. I, I had no idea stop, what it was. Would you stop going to Dunkin' Donuts if they put their name on the center? No, I would I would probably go more because what is that great line? I'm the mayor of Dunkin'. You know, it's, you know, it's uh, Casey Affleck. I'm the mayor of Dunkin'. I'm going to just grab you for, for a couple more minutes if you can. I know you get asked about this a lot. Can you briefly explain what in God's name is going on with all of these television channels and baseball and how that's going to end up? If people go bankrupt, I assume Major League Baseball will have to get into the television business. Wait, did you say just for, for, for a couple of minutes? This might take a while. Oh, yeah. So here's what's happening with, with, with uh, sports TV, is, is, uh, and specifically baseball. We're seeing it happen with the regional sports networks first, so in D.C. with Masson and, uh, and Monumental uh, a little bit, but in, yeah. across the country, the Valley Sports Network. Um, in entertainment programming, everybody's going to streaming already. I mean, so if you want to watch an entertainment programming, you binge it on Netflix or Apple TV Plus or Amazon Prime. Sports, because it's, because it's been live and news, stayed within the cable bundle. But it's now starting to, to leak out. And so, uh, and, and part of the reason it's leaking out is all the people that were uh, big entertainment fans, they left the cable bundle. And so, so now it's just sports fans in the cable bundle. And so people like Bally Sports and, and, uh, and Madison are making a lot less money because they have a lot less subscribers that are paying for cable. So as a result, they're they're starting to look around and and uh, and go to streaming. Where that hits is they've done all. The, you t- talk about bad deals. They've done these bad deals for Major League Baseball teams. So Valley Sports was paying the Texas Rangers a hundred million dollars a year for for their rights. The, the, the rights are probably worth like, you know less than half that uh, in, in in the real world. But they did the deal just to keep keep the Rangers in there. They can't afford those deals anymore because they're not making as much money right. from, uh, from subscribers. So, what what has to happen is teams and leagues have to agree. Okay, we'll take fifteen twenty percent less in, in terms of, of a rights fee. And you've covered sports long enough, obviously, that you know teams and leagues do not want to do that. <laughs> so they, they they'd rather yeah. see Bally's and Diamond go bankrupt, which uh, they are in bankruptcy. But they'd rather see them go belly up. Than to actually pay less uh, for that. So that's, oh yeah, and they'll ship it to China if they can. They'll ship it anywhere <laughs> to get money. They will. That's so. where we are right now. So so they have to figure out like, do we want to take the leagues and teams have to figure out do we want to take twenty thirty percent less than we were, or do we want to take zero because we just don't want want to give a deal like that to to those guys and uh, and in baseball it looks like they're saying we want to take zero and we'll figure it out on our own.
That's what I think is going to happen. Wilbon says to me all the time, you have to get streaming. Uh, you have to be on streaming. I said, don't we make money because we're on cable? And he says, we're done. We're done. Nobody wants us. Get out. Sure, I, right. just, I, just cut the, I just cut the cord a, a, a week ago. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally with Wilbon. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you, Tony. John Oran, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We'll come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag, got your email, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag, gonna read some for all you folks. Hey, Tony! Come on, come on! Hey, Tony! Read that mail now, baby. I love that. I can't tell you how much I love that. I sing along with it silently. It I love it so much. It's great. Do you want to do the Bethesda Bagel there? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop one in, my friend, and you will be thrilled. That's going to do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, Deputy Sheriff said to me, tell me what you come here for, boy. You better get your bags and flee. You're in trouble, boy. And now you're heading into more. It's the same old story. Everywhere I go, I get slandered, libeled. I hear words I never heard in the Bible. I'm just trying to keep the customer satisfied. That's Paul Simon and Arthur Garfunkel from a long time ago. Thanks to our guests today, Bob Ryan and John Orian. Thanks as well to today's sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple. Please leave us a review. I didn't get to this the other day. This was a Luke sent us an email. Yes. I have to get to this. Celebrity intern. Last Tuesday in Baltimore, a better spot for an arena than the landing, by the way, and definitely easier to get to. I went and saw America's best contemporary songwriter, Jason Isbell. Is that how it's pronounced? Isbell? I'm unfamiliar with his I'm oomphra. not overly so familiar Jason with him, Jason Isbell. No. Michael, do you, are you, do you uh, know yes. him? Yes. Yep. Isbell, play a wonderful two-hour set. While the show was superb, it didn't compare to emerging from the men's room to a spirited lachiserie from a poor guy who was 300th in line. <laughs> he didn't leave as soon as the house lights came on as I do to hit the bathroom. Anyway, the lovely Matt Reese shook my recently washed and sanitized hand. A great little. So that's from Luke. That, that makes me happy. Here's one from... Um, Glenn and Alan, who are Norwegian Soft Kitten, and Chuck and Roxy, number 295. Wow. Are they making up these numbers? <laughs> we were thinking we would be re releasing the song Things We Learned From TV on our next album, but Glenn so completely flushed the mouse with the guitar licks that we will now be burying the song deep in the album. <laughs> Flush the mouse. It's just so great. It works for everything. It's so great. From our friend Joe Pearson in Indianapolis, who writes, who's no Patrick Sitter, but if you read this on the show, it gets me to 31. He counts his emails. <laughs> While She's Not There was the first top 10 hit for the Zombies in 1964 and also a top 40 hit for Santana in 1977. <coughs> Excuse me. I think you'll find that Time of the Season is their most popular song overall, it being the Zombies' only gold certified, one million copies sold. Oddly enough, it was released in 1968 after the Zombies broke up when founder Rod Argent went off to create his own Eponymously Eponymously named band Arjun Who had their own top 10 hit with Hold Your Head Up Absolutely in 1972 Yes I'm a music nerd who needs to get a life When I saw them I noticed that Rod Arjun Had unbelievable guns I mean <laughs> really? huge arms Huge And he wore shirts to accentuate How big his biceps like were Ed Hockley? Like Ed Hockley Back in the yes. day <laughs> Like really wow uh, From Darren Herbert Long time, fourth time, but no Chuck or Roxy from Yorkshire in England. 
Yummy, yummy, yummy by Ohio Express. God awful. <laughs> Last time I heard it was 32 years ago. It still angers me. If this has already been nominated, and darn well should have been. Apologies. I'm 25 shows behind, but catching up fast. All the best, guys. Fonz you all. From <laughs> Need Todd a lesson Lohman. on the pudding. <laughs> From Todd Lohman in Littleton, Colorado. I loved your discussion with Ryan McGee, not because I'm a NASCAR fan, but because it's almost always interesting to hear an expert talk passionately about their area of expertise. Ryan obviously loves the sport, and that elevated your conversation. Your question to him about what it is that makes NASCAR drivers different brought to mind an anecdote I heard years ago. Scientists tried to test characteristics of elite athletes, so they asked a sampling of these athletes to look at a record player and read the information on the label. The athletes who were best at it were baseball players and NASCAR drivers. The idea of this test is both amusing and still what you'd expect, as those are two sports that would require extraordinary reaction times. I thought as a guy who remembers record labels, you might find this interesting. From Ben Sandler in Columbia, Maryland. My favorite Grammy Awards moment goes back to Paul Simon's acceptance speech in 1976 for Still Crazy, winning Album of the Year. It followed Stevie Wonder winning two years in a row with fulfilling this first finale uh, and inner visions. After first thanking his producer and then Phoebe Snow and Art Garfunkel for singing on the album with him, he concluded his thank you with this. And most of all, I'd like to thank Stevie Wonder, who didn't make an album this year. <laughs> as brilliant as some of his lyrics. Thanks for all the years of entertainment. Been a loyal little before you named us that. I go all the way back to your post columns in WTEM days. From Paul Quinn in West Lothian in Scotland. I have to applaud your attempt to get a big box of that from McConnell's ice cream. Pity you were on the deuce and no one would have seen the plug. Yeah, but Bonnie's at work at it. Bonnie's at work. From David Johansson, a San Franciscan, not a Franciscan. They're the ones who lived in the missions. I was surprised and very pleased when I heard you read a letter on Wednesday's show from a resident of Port Unami and pronounce it correctly. Now, I probably didn't pronounce it correctly then because the letter writer, the emailer, told me how to pronounce it. Oh, okay. I don't, so I don't remember. Even most Californians can't get that right. And don't get me started on those who tell people they're from Cali. It's become as prevalent and as irritating as four steps. Nope, no traveling call in the NBA. <laughs> I volunteer to serve as the official geographer of the Tony Kornheiser Show if the position is not already taken. Thanks for knowing your place and names. From David Epstein in New York. Knowing your love of classical music, Oh, class music, classic music. I submit the following. In the sport of lacrosse, when one team gains possession of the ball in their end, they have 20 seconds to advance it over the midfield line. Otherwise, it's a turnover. The, team for the, the term for the other team that is trying to prevent them from advancing is called the ride, and it's essential to the part of defense. Why do I mention this? Because the Loyola Greyhound men's lacrosse team has a starting player who is named, and this is not his nickname, Mustang Sally. And so when I learned this, all I can think is that during the game, people of a certain age have to yell and ride, Sally, ride. Thought you'd get a kick out of that. That's wonderful. That is brilliant. From James in Ostrander, Ohio. You do know there's a Delaware, Ohio. It's where President Rutherford B. Hayes was, Hayes was born. You voted for him, remember? There's currently a BP station with a plaque where the house he was born in used to be. From Ashley Porter, the principal of Morganton, Road Elementary School in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Stop me if you've heard this one before. A young up-and-coming female magician cannot seem to make traction in her small town, so she takes the dream of wowing audiences with a sleight of hand to the Big Apple. 
Once she arrives in Gotham, she beats the streets, going from club to club, attempting to make connections, until one afternoon when rushing to the next appointment, she literally bumps into a sanitation worker. As he picks her up from the ground, Kismet intervenes and their eyes meet. Will this unlikely pair find their way to a wedding aisle with a gazebo at the end of it? Find out with the Hallmark Channel premiere of Hocus Pocus Junk. Uh, from Ed Butt. I finally got to listen to Dominic Melillo's homage to the Beach Boys, Six Summers. Love it. As soon as I can get my grandson to somehow get it from my Google machine to my iPhone, I'm going to add it to my Sun Surf and Speed playlist. I'm with you. Whether we were on the beaches of Long Island or the beaches of Lake Michigan, we all dreamed that they were the beaches of Southern California. B.S. The first time you made fun of my name, it was thanking me for this 2013 50th anniversary holiday card on our Lake Michigan beach. See? And, oh, and, it, and it's... It's the Beach Boys from oh, Surfer Girl. Yeah. The original Beach Boys with David Marks, not David Johnson. Right? Um, it's going back. It's not David. It's not David Johnson. Bruce Johnson. Bruce Johnson. Yeah, yes. David Marks. Was one of their high school friends. From Judy Nesson. Hey, I, I've followed you in print and radio TV for many years. Just want to say how cool it is you give airplay to so many unsigned independent musicians who often struggle to be heard. P.S. I'm a neighbor and fan of Midlife's Crisis. That's Scott Parker. Oh, yeah. Who Scott. you featured several times. Thanks for all the entertainment. From Sean in Queenstown, Maryland. Here we go. Here we go. The email about Ava's Monday buy one, get one free offer seemed to pique some interest last week, so I looked into the fine print a little more. The good news is that it looks like the offer is every Monday starting at 4 p.m. It's also for dine-in or carry-out, so that means they have a 50-50 chance of getting at least your, or half your order correct. The bad news is that carry-out orders are limited to two pizzas per order, and you have to order online. They will not accept a carry-out order over the phone, which makes them sort of the nautica of pizza. That's a good line. <laughs> I also realize that this information may have killed a good post-football mid-NBA season show opening rant for that. I apologize. I talked about this. Yes. You have my opinion on this. Not going back on that yeah, opinion. Stated. But your bigger issue is with Nigel's order, correct? Yes, he orders a pizza and then doesn't get the second pizza. <laughs> He says, well, uh, you know, I didn't want the second pizza. Didn't he do Well, I would have eaten the second pizza. <laughs> it's just because pizzas aren't, Casa de Leo doesn't mean they're not good enough. Right. I was incensed by this. I told Michael, I didn't tell you, because I just, it was craziness. <laughs> From Trace or Tracy Hendrick Apologies. in Saginaw, Michigan. While it was awesome to hear you talk about the Niagara Ice Dogs and the Ontario Hockey League, the team you should be hitching your wagon to is the Saginaw Spirit. Not only are we currently the number two team in the entire league, but we also beat out the Ice Dogs, who currently have the worst record in the league, for the right to be the first ever American OHL host of the Memorial Cup this year, which is the Super Bowl of junior hockey. Oh, and if you're looking <coughs> for some connective tissue from Aloyal Little, the 10-year-old daughter related to me by birth is going to be on air this Friday as the junior spirit radio broadcaster and Saginaw's starting goalie, Andrew Oki, lives with our family. I'm sure the play-by-play -play broadcaster is a good guy, but the Ice Dogs can eat it. <laughs> <laughs> From Jay Eason in Rogers, Arkansas, Dan Byrne Live. Flipping through the internet the other day, saw that Dan Byrne was playing the next night in Fayetteville, Arkansas, about 30 minutes from where I live. Without delay, I ordered two tickets, not knowing anything about the venue, but really didn't care. Turns out it was at the School of Folk, which was a historic home repurposed to be a music school. The next night, the woman I'm related to by marriage and I took off excited for the adventure. We arrived 
At the time, the doors opened and there were only four people in line. Dan and the band played in what must have been the dining room, and all 40 chairs or so were located in what was the living room. It was a perfect setting, and we had seats in the second row. The show was terrific, and afterwards we were able to hang out with Dan and the band for a few minutes, get pictures and buy albums, posters, etc. Dan and the band were so welcoming and engaging, it was incredible. I was only aware of Dan because of your show, whereas most of the other people had read about him in the paper. Dan and I even did a lachiserie shout-out on video, which I will treasure forever. What a wonderful night. Thanks to you and the show for making us aware of Dan, as he is a wonderful talent, and one could tell he really loves what he does. What a great night. So here's the thing. Everybody who meets Dan Byrne comes back with a glowing report. Yes. Everybody. Everyone. Which means he is that nice, or he's the greatest actor in the history of the world. And I choose to believe he's that nice. That's the former, hopefully. I was driving through Oshawa on Tuesday, writes Paul Frampton. Not... Paul Frampton? Paul Fra- not Peter Frampton. Not Peter Frampton. From Lindsay, alive. Ontario and episode 283. My God. <laughs> when you read an email from the voice of the Ice Dogs and he name dropped the Oshawa, I hope I pronounced that correctly, maybe it's Oshawa Gents, or as you called it, Osawa. I almost drove into a bridge on Highway 401 through Oshawa when I heard this David Aldridge moment. Oshawa is actually the home of General Motors Canada and is the sixth largest city in Ontario, but now thanks to you we're on the map. We'll do one more. Andrew Bracewell, also Canada. Vancouver, British Columbia. On Wednesday's podcast, you discuss the positive impacts Taylor Swift and Lindsey Vaughn have had on football and golf by bringing more female fans to their respective sports. While Taylor and Lindsey may have brought fresh eyeballs to football and golf, athletes dating famous women hasn't always panned out so well for the sports they played. For instance, when famous highlight player Francisco Shuraka had a brief tryst with Louise Gluck. The influence of morose, nihilistic Gluck fans all but killed the sport. You can't even watch Hyla and Peacock these days. Let's hope things fare better for the NFL. That's just very funny. If you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. But I still need a bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the microwave. 